Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 4th, 2021, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 7, and we're on page 96, the third paragraph, He May Be Broke and Homeless, reading that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, on the 12 steps is Terry J., the 12 Traditions, Dabbling E, and reading the text are Deborah S. and Nessa R., and Susan S.H. is our backup, and the newcomer greeter is Sam S., and the host of the second hour is Matt J.S. The reference numbers for Wednesday, November 21st, 2021, are the 7 a.m., 18,025, that's 18025, and for the 10 a.m., are 18,027, that's 18027. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Terry J. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Okay, there you are. My name is Terry J., a compulsive overeater recovering just for today. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for allowing me to serve. Thank you, Terry. Okay, I'll now ask Davilyn E. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. My name is Davilyn E. and I am a compulsive eater living gratefully and joyfully in recovery in Manitoba, Canada. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Davilyn. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 96, the third paragraph, He May Be Broke and Homeless, reading just that one paragraph, and I will ask Deborah F. to begin reading. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deborah S. from New Jersey, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. He may be broke and homeless. If he is, you might try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance. 
but you should not deprive your family or creditors of, of money they should have. Perhaps you will want to take the manager home for a few days, but, before, but, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. Permit that and you will only harm him. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. Okay, wow. So this is taking service to the next level. You know, before the previous paragraph was discussing sharing our experience, strength, and hope, you know, letting the person decide for themselves if he is, you know, if he is one of us, you know, sharing what experience that we have and how we got better. But this is the next level where we're taking the person into our home if he's broken, homeless, um, you know, doesn't have a job. Um, that's really, really being very selfless of ourselves to open up the door. And I can, I can say I've never done that. I never, I never had that situation where I met a fellow OA person or, um, or even someone from my community where I had to open the door and have them come stay with me. Actually, maybe many years ago, I did have a family stay with me many years ago. They were, in the, they, were in, from, uh, they were coming from a different area, and they didn't have a place to stay until their house was ready, and I opened my door for them. Um, but getting back to this, um, but I have helped people in recovery um, who are in the hospital, and uh, uh, there was someone I know who had a emotional breakdown and mental uh, breakdown, and she couldn't take care of her children, and she was in a, a way, and she is in program. She was in program, and she needed help. And I remember a group of us helped her, um, and we brought food to her in the hospital, and um, she was able to have the abstinence during that stay. Um, you know, I do what I do because it helps me. Um, whether this person or any other people that I've helped, you know, um, you know, in the past, you know, if it helped them at that time, great. If it continues, if they continue with, on the path and, and, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, be, I'm not their policeman. Um, but if I can give a service to others um, in their need in any way, you know, I'll be there for them. Um, and, and I, and, and I, I learned this from all of you and from the book, because this is a program of getting out of ourselves and not thinking of what my needs are, but to see how I could be, but to, to surrender that we talk about surrendering, but surrender and being of service to another person in need. Um, and, um, when I do that, when I could get out of myself and be of service, um, that is, that's a very spiritual thing. Uh, it brings me closer to God because I'm not thinking of my own needs. Um, I know what my, my, my agenda is and I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable and thinking, you know, getting out of my, pushing myself out so that I could be of service to others and help others. And that is it, whether it's the people in this program or for people in my community or family members, just Time, please. To, not just to think of me and my wants. And thank you very much. And everyone on this line that makes this possible, I pass. 
Okay, thank you so much, Deborah S., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on the third paragraph on page 96? Deborah Janet Lakewood, New Jersey. Janet B. Margaret T. Deborah M. Okay. 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 I heard a lot of different names. So I heard Deborah M. Barbara E. And a Barbara, another Barbara. What was the initial of your um Anyway, Margaret the other, E. Okay, just Marlon one moment, please. Um, okay, that's good for this lineup. Let me tell you who I have. Okay, uh, let's see. I have Deborah M., Barbara E., Janet B., Cheryl A., another Barbara, Margaret D., I believe, Harlan G., and Felicia uh, Felicia. So go ahead, please, Deborah M., followed by Barbara E. Star one, anybody? Deborah M., hit star one, please. Moderator, can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Oh, I was babbling away. <laughs> Hello, good morning. This is Devora M., compulsive overeater from Lakewood, New Jersey. Um, I love this paragraph. What jumped out at me was you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have. Um, so I've never been in the position um, of uh, being asked to give money um, to another compulsive overeater. Um, or even to take another compulsive overeater into my home. But um, I have five children and a, and a husband, and um, it is a constant balance for me between the, the, the time um, that I spend on my program and with my fellows and the time that I spend with my family. Um, and this sentence, you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have, I always read it, you should not deprive your family or creditors of time, love, creativity, um, emotional energy um, that they should have. Um, my, my family, I, I owe my family all of those things. I owe my family the best of me. And being a compulsive overeater, being an addict, um, it feels much more special to give to others than it does to give to my own. And I love being special. I love being unique and unusual and um, being very active in this program in a very showy way is something that I have to be very careful of because um, I, I should not deprive my family of, what, of what's theirs and I'm theirs. <laughs> um, so that, that to me is this message here that I need to use discretion and be certain that um, I'm not chasing after that specialness um, at, at my family's expense. Uh, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Devorah M. Okay, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Janet B. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara in New Jersey. Well, I've too, I've never taken anyone into my home, but I've certainly given them my time, my care, and my energy. And the whole point of this book is to enable us to live free of the bondage of our compulsion to eat excessive food and the twist of the mind that deludes us into thinking we have enough knowledge to do it on our own that this time it will be different. And the second part is to, to, prayer, to prepare us to begin working with others. Now that we've had this spiritual awakening and the promises have started to come true for us, and, that, and finally, that they too are willing to sponsor others when we've worked all the steps together and passage, pass the message on to others so that she can be free from the possibility of relapse, and me too, and becoming complacent. Because I know from personal experience that complacency leads to danger. It gives me so much joy to see someone who felt hopeless only months ago recover. And as it says in steps three and seven, we're becoming fit to carry the message of hope to other sick compulsive overeaters who are desperate enough to be willing to trust that this program really works. And if we two are compatible, we can begin this journey together. And I make it clear to her she's helping me as much as I hope that I'll be helping her. I always ask my prospective sponsees to read the doctor's opinion and get their thoughts about the, what, what they have read about the allergy and the mental twist of the mind referred to and ask, do you believe in your heart you too have an allergy to certain foods and food behaviors? Are you willing to accept that proposition? And I explain what it was like for me. All I thought about was food and how soon I could get it. But just putting down the food was not the solution for me. If simply putting down the food was solution, pay and way programs would work for me, but this illness needs so much more than a diet. And if they are receptive, I explain about the spiritual toolkit and be very clear what we're about to do to save their lives. They must get clear what their toxic foods are and remove them like they're poison. But their food plan is none of my business. Some go to nutritionists acquainted with our disorder. In case they're puzzled about what a spiritual awakening is, I explain that it's simply explaining our outlook and attitude about the people and the world around us. So as we go through the 12-step program, they too see that life is really... Time, please. Thank you. That life is really not a dead-end street filled with pain and suffering, but a path filled with hope that they too can be transformed, changed. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, go ahead, Janet B., followed by Cheryl A. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. This paragraph is beautiful. It tells me that God is going to transform me into the type of person who's going to care about homeless people, who's going to care about people who have no money, who's going to spend my time and effort 
helping people not just recover, but helping them with jobs and giving them money and stuff like that. What a miracle. Look at what they're promising me. Um, I was a vile human being before I worked this program. I'm thinking now that when I was in college, I referred to boys I dated. They had either two labels. They were either a GC for a good catch or a meal ticket, an MT. What a vile person. I didn't see people as people. I saw them as just what they would do for me. But by working this program, um, it doesn't, God doesn't just take away our food obsession. That would be more than enough. He does more than that. He transforms my heart. And I have had people stay at my house. And I've had people who were, um, I remember one woman, she was anorexic or bulimic and couldn't eat. And I said, come eat your dinner at my house. I'll sit with you. I have tried to help people get jobs. Um, but that isn't because I'm anything great. It's because when I decided to work this program, God said, okay, guys, I think to his little team of angels, let's start a renovation job in her heart. And in doing that, he expelled the obsession with food and he changed me so that my priorities were no longer all about me, myself, and I, but that there was room now to care about other people. That is a miracle of this program. It transforms us from selfish, self-centered people who only care about ourselves. And of course, that's like the right type of soul soil that this illness of compulsive eating can live in. And he changes the soil of our souls so that we're able to care about others and help others. That is the miracle of this program, that I'm no longer a selfish, self-centered woman, but that I'm able to care about and love other people. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janet B. Cheryl A., you're up, followed by Barbara. I think M, but I don't know. Cheryl, star one. Katie, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, great. Sometimes if you unmute too soon, you get remuted. Um, hi, this is Cheryl A., recovered compulsive overeater in Brookline, Massachusetts. I think there's a lot of um, insight into this paragraph. Um, and I have experienced that myself. So back in 19, I don't know, maybe 94, 95, something like that, I did take someone into my home who I had met in program and um, had found herself homeless. And uh, she stayed with me for, I want to say, a month. And I knew that this was helping out this person tremendously. But then something did happen. And it says, I think, in this paragraph that be certain he will be welcomed by your family and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. And, and, and um, uh, this person ultimately was trying to impose on me for shelter, and I knew it, and I had to, um, I had to find a way to set the boundary to, to, to have her go, and she resisted strongly to the point that pathologies in her own life um, became very, very present. So there's a real balance. I had been in program already for eight years. I was only 25 at the time, but I had gone into program when I was 18. And I, this book, this book has been in my life more than half my life. It's, it's been, you know, a, this has been my instruction book for living since I was 18. So I took that very seriously, but we, it was a different time back then too. And there's, um, 
you know, it, you have, we have to be very, very, very careful. Um, and I also, as someone who uh, manifests my disease and trying to fix others and overly care for others um, to get what, you know, someone else had mentioned earlier, that sense of specialness, I have to be very careful that there is not an inherent selfishness in my, in my service. The last example I wanted to give was something that someone did for me. The person back in 2004 who helped me get to the next layer of my recovery was someone I met in a totally different context. I was doing some Jewish learning. I was at a lecture. I met this woman. She and I were actually going to learn together. And then in that course found out that we were both in Overeaters Anonymous. She, I had always been completely resistant to using a scale. And because of my trust in this, in this woman and her utter selflessness in, in, in sharing herself with me, um, I was willing to do some things differently because my life was still really out of control on many, many levels. So she went home and got me a scale to use temporarily. She took me to certain meetings and helped me connect in so I could find a, a sponsor at the time. And all of that extra effort is the foundation upon which, uh, 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 certainly about getting abstinent back then, which was back in 2004, even though I had already been in program for many years. But that was really the first time I got abstinent because she was willing to go an extra mile and go home and get me a scale. And, and, and her kindness affected me deeply. So I think that there's a lot of inherent lesson in this. And um, Time, I pray, please. you know, thank you so much to continue to, to intuit God's will for me on this level. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Cheryl A. Okay, Barbara, there was Barbara, and I don't know what your initial is, followed by Margaret D. Star one, Barbara. Okay, maybe I was just hearing Barbara E. Margaret D, followed by Harlan G. Margaret, star one. There we go. Good morning. Um, and thank you, moderator, for your service. It's so deeply appreciated. Um, my name is Margaret D. I'm in Georgia, and I am um, grateful to be a recovered compulsive eater. Um, okay, so here we go. Here's my experience. I did take someone in. And I took them in. They stayed in my home for about a year. And at the end, well, getting towards the last couple months, my husband was just getting, he was very upset that they were still there. And so it was causing a certain amount of conflict in the family. Um, So I, I asked the person to leave. But before they left, they had done some, uh, thoughtless, serious damage in the house. For one thing, they had, uh, they were going to cook something and they left it in the oven and went across the street to talk to a neighbor and actually wrecked it. So there were a few incidents like that that ended up costing us money. And like I say, my ex-husband, who was my husband at the time, was really upset, and I had to agree with them, and it was time for this person to go. The funniest thing happened. 
it was that person who 12-stepped me into OA years later. We just don't know. We just do not know what our actions, we just do not know what God has in store for us. And for me, the main purpose of this book is to enable me to find a power greater than myself, which will solve the problems, our problems, your, everybody's problem, not, not just a problem, but problems. Um, I guess with that, I want to pass. The only other thing I'd like to say about this is I think what I've learned over the years is that it all depends on my motive. Now, what I mean, as far as whether I'm doing this in a healthy way or a not healthy way, um, I guess with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Mar- Margaret D. Okay, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Felicia, and then we'll open it up for more shares. We're on page 96, the third paragraph. He may be broke and homeless. Go ahead, Harlan. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for your service. Thanks for taking the meeting. Um, I assume I can be heard okay. I'm Harlan G. Yes. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, but I am in the crown jewel of the Midwest, city of broad shoulders, I am in Chicago, Illinois this morning. There's lots of instructions in this book on how to carry the message, but there are no instructions in this book, deliberately so, on how to carry the alcoholic. Because in this world, my recovery has to come first. It cannot be more important to someone else than it is to me. If that is the case, then the alanonic condition is present and recovery will not take place. On page 16 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, excuse me, Bill Wilson talks about a man who committed suicide in his home. That man's name was Bill Cousins, and Bill Cousins was a gambler. He was a bridge player. He was a lawyer, and he stole from the Wilsons. He used to, when they would leave the house to visit anybody, he would take their suitcases, and he would take dresses, and he would take suits, and he would pawn them, and he was selling their goods. He sold some of their possessions while he was sitting at their dinner table looking them in the face, and he eventually killed himself. The most important thing in my life without exception has to be my recovery. It cannot be more important to someone else than it is to me. When that takes place, and I know I've said it before, and I, I do repeat things, then the alanonic condition is present. And a lot of us have good hearts, and some of us have good hearts to the point where we can destroy the person. And when I first came into this program, not only was I in deplorable emotional and physical health, I was dead broke. And a lot of people tried to help me. And the most important thing God did was he sent me people that helped me, but he also sent me people that stopped. Because the way for me to get off, for me to get on my feet was to get off my rear end. And I had to work not only at recovery, but at life. 
And until I stood on my own two feet, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. Because in my disease, I am a bottomless pit. And I will take and take and take and take and take to the point of absurdity. And so at some point in the life of every addict, not only do they have to get on their feet, they have to get off their butt. And they have to work and strive. I will help the striving. I will help the seeking. I will do nothing for the person who sits there and waits for me to tell them what to do. Uh, and how, you know, whatever it is. I want to see you, the other person, not you personally, the other person working just as hard as I do. And that, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Felicia, it's your turn. Might be Felicia A., I'm not sure. And then we'll open it up for more. Felicia S. from New Jersey, and we're covering uh, compulsive S is in Frank or S is in Sam? S is in Sam. Okay, thank you. Thank you, and thank you all for your service, and thank you all for those who shared. Um, I have, you know, 33 days today, and this paragraph, this passage means so much to me um, because it, it relates back to me to wife or no wife, job or no job, you can recover. And I haven't had a job in two years. I'm eating out of a food pantry. And I remember, you know, talking to my sponsor and I was in chronic relapse. And, you know, she couldn't do it for me. I didn't need anything from her other than for her to put my hand in the hand of my higher power. And, you know, on, in my other fellowship, I have had experience of bringing people into my home. And there's a very fine line between enabling and doing this service because it needs to not be about my ego and saving somebody. It really is about the person doing the work. And nobody could do this work for me. I had to do it for myself um, with so much incredible help, you know. And I'm just incredibly, incredibly grateful today. You know, and the good news is after two years and lots of patience and God's time and not mine, it looks like I will have a job next week. But that doesn't change the fact that I need to pray every day and I need to do my steps and I need to reach out to others and be of service to others. Um, none of that changes. So it's, I'm just an incredible grace this morning. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Felicia. Okay, so now we're on page 96, the third paragraph. You may be broken homeless. And although we value your experience, we ask that you keep your, uh, limit your shares to every third day. So who else would like to share? Katie G. Katie G. E-U-K. Melissa. Got you, Melissa. Got you, Claire. I mean, um, Liz E-U-K. Elaine F. from New York. I'm sorry, who F. from New York? Elaine, Elaine F. from New York. Okay, Elaine. Yes. On yeah, A from Connecticut. On M and who A from Connecticut? Someone from Connecticut. 
can't hear you. Okay. Um, I'm going to put a line in someone from Sorry, Connecticut. Sorry, it was and Jackie, then... Jackie A. from Connecticut. Okay, Jackie A. from Connecticut. And then I think I heard Crystal P. Did I? Well, we're going to, it's going to be tight. So let's just go ahead, please. Katie G. followed by Melissa C. And then let me just give you the lineup. Then Liz E., Elaine F., on M., Jackie A., and maybe Crystal P. Go ahead, Katie G. Hi, Katie F. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., recovered in Boston. And uh, <clears throat> I wasn't going to share today, but I was particularly inspired by a couple of the shares that really brought the relevance of this. Like when I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I was 26 going on four. Like I wanted everyone to do everything for me. And um, <clears throat> my eating was a way to get people to leave me alone or take care of me. And I was heartbroken every time a sponsor said, Katie, I can't sponsor you anymore. You're not, you're not doing the work. And I, and I just thought, well, that's not fair. Or I would say, well, you know, I've called three people and nobody's called me back. And the sponsor would say, call more people. And I didn't want to call more people because I don't want to have to take responsibility for myself because I'm a chronic three-year-old or four-year-old. I don't want to do what you ask me to do. And I want to get a free ride. And I think the thing that is so amazing about this program is first of all, right, like no one can diagnose me. I got to diagnose myself. And secondarily, you know, um, I just, I have been taught by the people who've told me no. I have been taught by the people, and, and it happened, it continues to happen. I'm recovered today by God's grace, love, and mercy from compulsive eating, anorexia, and bulimia. However, I continue to not be perfect as an addict, and I continue to learn that there are consequences for my behavior. And I don't want to have to do what I need to do as a grown-up. I just don't. And thanks be to God, Over Years Anonymous is about teaching me to grow up. If I spend money, there are consequences. If, I, um, if my kids get sick, guess what, Katie? It's your job to take care of them. No, you don't get some special whatever. Um, everybody's got a job, even if I don't want to do it. So thank you, God, there are people who remind me, like, these are my phone calls. If I have to make 15 phone calls to get one person because I've been asked to make three phone calls a day and talk about God, then it is what it is. I got two kids too. I got stuff going on. But if I was asked to make 15 phone calls to get a hot fudge Sunday when I was when I was binging my brains out, I would have made 20. Like, it's what, what am I willing, am I willing to stand on my own two feet? And thanks be to God, this program acts as a net. It provides a net for me so that when I do act like a three-year-old, it's like, nope, Katie, get back. You're an adult. Remember, you're an adult. Go out and do the adult thing. Yep. Nope, not that way, not that way, not that way, this way. Right? And we all get to find our path. Thanks be to God for that. I'm so glad they wrote it down in this book and tell me what to do. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Liz E. from the U.K. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And, um, you know, when I read this paragraph, it really makes me think about when I 
returned yet again to Overhears Anonymous um, 12 years now. Um, and I came in, and I actually was running around, really, not running around, wasn't running around. I was working really hard at trying to hold it all together, and I couldn't hold it all together anymore. And when I came into that meeting, it really makes me think about a particular woman who was, she has been so kind to me. I came in, I couldn't hold it together anymore. I couldn't make eye contact. You know, I sat at that meeting, my head down, and I sobbed. And she came over and she gave me help. And here's how she helped me. She did invite me to her home. I spent lots of time in this woman's home. She showed me how to eat. I, like, I couldn't even know. I couldn't figure out how to eat if it wasn't drive-through. You know, here I was, this grown-up woman with kids, a job, mortgage, and I didn't know how to feed myself. And, you know, I came to her house, and, and she showed me how to eat. And, and, and she was, you know, so kind, like, take me for walks around her neighborhood. She offered me all this friendship and all this support. She would watch my kids. You know, he was a toddler at the time. So I could exercise a little bit. Step work. I needed a break. I needed help. And then her husband would come home, and she would say, her husband was Jim, and she'd say, all right, you know, Jimbo's here now. And it was like she'd shuffle me out the door, and she taught me how to have a boundary. And I, you know, I really try to model myself after that, try to give in the way that I can with what I can. Um, but my family, you know, they're my love. They're my priority. They're God's place in my life. They have to be. You know, and that's what this paragraph really tells me is that I must consider my family. And how I demonstrate this today is, like, you know, I could be working with a sponsor. I can be working with someone who needs help. But if my kids need my help, like, sorry, guys, i got to go to my children, right? Or my husband wants some time with me. Yeah, i got to give him the time. And so I think what I get from this is, like, we're the welcome mat, but we're not the doormat. And um, thanks for that all Thank you, Melissa C. Now Liz E, followed by Elaine F. Good morning. Liz E, recovered compulsive overeater in Bristol in the UK, and E for elegant, and I'm available to sponsor. Um, this is a great paragraph. Thank you, everybody, for your service today. Um, for me, I heard in the rooms a number of years ago that one of the things that got in the way of my people recovering was people helping and it just stopped them reaching their bottom. So I think um, that has been really helpful to me hearing that because if you can't, you know, they tried to do it for their mother, their friend, their auntie, their uncle, their daughter, their child, anybody. If I can't do it for myself, I can't do it. And the best sponsor, the loveliest sponsor, the whatever sponsor. I shouldn't need to choose any particular sponsor. It is that I'm willing to do the work and I'm willing to take the uh, support, guidance, instructions. Because all a sponsor is, is a vehicle for higher power and God to share. And they, they're only sharing their experience, strength and hope. And it is my job as um an individual to find that. And so I know somewhere else it 
talks about getting out of the way of people who don't want your help and being of, being of service to others. And um, also, I think that boundary piece, um, because for me as an addict, I'm just really boundaryless. Um, and what these um, words here are telling me is it, I need healthy boundaries to do my life. And yes, I have a, I'm a single mum with a teenager, and she really resents it if I'm on the phone in the evening a lot with people for OA. So I have to carve out the time. Um, and of course, I want to, aren't I lucky that my 16-year-old daughter wants to be with me, spend time with me? So that's really important. And I've had to put a boundary around that and make sure that um, I make time in other parts of my day to do um, program work and outreach because I need to do it all, but I need to plan it. If I don't plan, I plan to fail. And that's my personal experience, strength, and hope on that. And again, this permit that and you only harm him. So just if people aren't really ready or don't want to hear your voice, maybe I'm not the right voice for them. And the best thing I should do is get out of their way. And you may be aiding in his destruction. Absolutely. So this is a two-way relationship. Um, but as ever, I learn more and more and more. And thank you to everybody. Um, I'm wishing you a beautiful day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Liz. Okay, Elaine F., you're up, followed by Ann M. Elaine F., star one. This is Elaine F. from New York. Um, thank okay. you for the wonderful meeting. Thank you for everything. Um, I wanted to say that uh, years ago I had somebody stay at my house. I don't remember all the details, and somehow she had to leave where she was, and she stayed with me. I don't remember how long. It could have been a month or two, something, and then at one point, she wasn't leaving, and I had to actually call her daughter on my own. I just got the number for her daughter, and and I had to ask the daughter to tell her or help me tell her that she had to find another place, and I guess, you know, there are boundaries and limits in uh, different situations of how we help or what we do. I've always had people at my house, you know, so a lot of times just because I had guests over or people from, from out of town or, um, but this was a program person. And um, I guess there are limits and boundaries in every situation and person is different. But I felt like she was overstaying her boundaries and I had to put my foot down and, um, you know, I had a feeling something like that would happen. She was a very needy person. So, um, but service is very good because it gets me out of myself. Because all day long I'm obsessed about my little stresses and what I have to do and what's going on with me and in my own head with my own um, obsessions and negativity. And when I help others and I get out of myself, then it helps because they say the root of this disease is self-centeredness, selfishness. And um, eating is just, you know, pushing down all those feelings of self-pity or anger or all these different um, spiritual maladies. So 
Um, thank you for letting me share. Thanks for the wonderful meeting. Thank you, Elaine. On M, you're up, followed by Jackie A. Hi, Katie. This is Anne M here, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ireland. Can I be heard okay? Yes. Brilliant. Thanks, Katie, and thank you so much for your service. Um, yeah, brilliant meeting again on Step 12. And, yeah, it's just that part, you know, where if we permit that, if we permit that, you only harm him. And I think this really just brings it back to me, you know, what's my primary purpose as a sponsor? And uh, it's looking at my role in that as well. You know, my primary purpose is to be, you know, obviously to, to carry a message, a, a message with depth and weight. And I think, you know, it, 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 it for me, it really makes it clear, you know, that I'm not carrying the sponsee, that I'm not... My motive is to carry a message, a message of hope with depth and weight, and that I'm not crossing over into, you know, enabling the sponsee. Because I think it just goes on, you know, we will be making it possible for him to be insincere. And I think that's the part where, you know, the sponsor has a choice and the sponsee also has a choice whether to pick up, you know, the, the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet or as a sponsee and also as a sponsor, you know, am I going to, you know, enable the sponsee by just carrying them? You know, it's like that part where, you know, they can't get recovered until, you know, wife or wife, wife or no wife job or no job. You know, there has to be, it has to be just a one way that the sponsor's role is to carry the message and the sponsee's role is to do the work. And otherwise, if, if that's not, my role as a sponsor, I'm enabling the sponsee and I'm allowing the sponsee to become a victim and, you know, not taking responsibility for their for their part. And and, you know, for me, it can be a lot of ego as well. It just really clearly shows me where it says you may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. Yeah, by doing that. And, you know, also, if I'm not if my goal or my primary purpose is not carry the message, you know, I'm I'm just people pleasing and I'm just, you know, in ego and not doing the role I'm assigned to do. And for me it can be a lot to do around honesty and, you know, it's it's for me as well to be the best in in in, in how I can be, you know, guiding my sponsee in the sense of, you know, picking out their blank spots or blind spots and showing the see you know defects they they aren't able to or visibly see themselves and and also not accepting the unacceptables from a sponsee you know in regard to time and my time um and and also that i set boundaries with my sponsee because i think that's how i learned from i learned from my sponsor how to set boundaries from 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 really you know being shown by through them how to set boundaries so that's all i have and thanks again katie for your service with that i pass Okay, thank you. And now we'll have Jackie A. Hi, this is Jackie A. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Um, so I'm pretty newer to the program. Um, for or about this is my eighth week, and I can really only speak from life experience that growing up, my mom was 30 years old with three kids, and my stepfather came into the picture as a 25-year-old man that moved into our house within three weeks. 
And at the time, my mom, I'm sure, was going through a very insecure state with not so much boundaries and had a warm heart at the time. And so, you know, unknowingly she, or knowingly, she allowed uh, a person who was struggling with opioids and alcoholism into our home. Um, He was a landscaper at the time. He was living with his dad. And, um, you know, my stepfather was only 17 years older than I am. And I got to watch, like, a lot of turmoil growing up with, like, someone who struggled with recovery and then found an AA program. And during those years, like, the boundary setting was not there. The enabling was there. But I have to tell you, I got to watch beautiful moments on holidays where I would come downstairs on Christmas morning and there would be, like, three AA people for breakfast and for Christmas. And they'd be opening up our presents and there'd be men I met, like, once or twice. And these are people that helped save my stepfather's life. And I think that that was part of my mom's giving to them. She loved to cook. And that's part of the reason I have the eating disorder in my family that I do. But that was her way of saying thank you. And they didn't stay for lunch. They they were there for breakfast. Um, on Saturday mornings, my stepfather used to bring a gentleman, Matt, who is uh, woods homeless, into our home, warm him up, take him out for breakfast. He would help with yard work. And that went on for years. Um, when I was going to undergrad and grad school in between different jobs or relocating through the state, my friends brought me into their homes and I became friends with them and their family and I was working third shift. So I did like a couch routine where once a week I would stay at my girlfriend's house. We would have a movie night. We would have a healthier meal to be quite honest. And these were such good role models for me. My grandparents, um, they had a very strict rule similar to what I've heard on the line. I could stay for about three weeks out of the year between major moves, um, eat meals with them, and that's time to go. Um, And so I've learned so much, and I'm a clinical social worker, so I spent so much of my life volunteering, being the benefactor of good deeds of others. And now in program, I just have have more to understand of Avila potential sponsor down the line, which I know I have to do for 12 12 steps, um, but also as a sponsee, like, what's the line? So maybe I pull, like, what my mom did in terms of, like, having brunch once a month or having an abstinent meal closer to the holidays. Um, if I know someone is temporarily in need of one night a week or one night a month because they're traveling to stay over, I would love to do that, but I do not want to be, I don't ever want to compromise my family like I've lived, and I don't ever want to move in. An, an ex that I've talked about on the line before, who was not ready, who was not ready, not in recovery for food. And I had to let him go Time out please. of my life. So with that, I pass, and I greatly appreciate the shares on the line today. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. That was our last share for the day. Um, and thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, November 4th, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 18,030. That's 18030. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nessa R. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Nessa, star one. Nessa, we cannot hear you. 
Okay, she must be having trouble. Hi, so, Katie. This is Katie G. Okay. I can do that for you. Okay, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to our fellows. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.